0: a Get Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. The DocuDiva. <laughs> we have mm-hmm. the DocuDiva on the, the docu-diva. show today. She, and, she's uh, awesome. She really knows her stuff. She's done documentaries for almost every television network. Mm-hmm. HBO, Showtime, Lifetime, TLC, Discovery, TBS, HDTV, PBS. In fact, some of her PBS documentaries... Uh, We're narrated by Susan Sarandon and Tom Brokaw. So Mm -hmm. she really knows what she's doing. And on the show next week is Mara Lessman. And we're going to get into star attachments for indie filmmakers that are, uh, that feel like they're on the verge of uh, possibly trying to get a star attached to their film. And that's going to be a great interview. I've been looking forward to talking to her all summer. So we finally have her on the show. She's she's going to be one of the, the best interviews we've had. I think. We've
1: had her on Rolling Tape, so that's how we know
0: that. That's true, yes. And by the way, Rolling Tape, 50, I think we have almost 60 episodes on YouTube of filmmaking advice from a lot of experts in the industry. They're 10-minute short interviews. Really interesting people. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'd be surprised. Check them out. There's a thing, we're talking about documentaries today because Barbara moulter Welland is on the show. And this brings up the, the whole topic of, in today's world, uh, what is real and what is fake? And how do you tell the difference? There is a, there's a term that I've just learned about as of last night. And this is, I think this has kind of been brewing for about a year now. Um, do you remember that? Uh, you may have seen this video um, that was circulating a few months ago. Where someone had uh, created a fake Obama video, where he's uh, I didn't see it. It was Jordan Peele, which uh, did this video. I think it was maybe it was last year, and so it's a it's an impersonator, a voice impersonator. And what they did was they took actual video of Barack Obama, and then they changed they they uh, lip synced that video. Mm to the impersonator. Oh boy. So in other words, changing what Obama was saying. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is called deep fakes. This is a new term now, and it's a new thing that's, that's brewing and people are doing this on the internet. Now it's called deep fakes, uh, deep faking, which is taking original video and changing the voice uh, changing what they say or even superimposing n- new faces into old video. In fact, there's, there's someone that has a whole YouTube channel in which they uh, replace um, uh, Nicolas Cage. They put his face into movies. Oh, man. So How do you think that's going to
1: change history and the way we look at history? Because people think if they see a video, that's what happened or, or it's real. This can really change the way we look at history. And I'm talking 20 years from now, people are going to look at some of these videos. Look what Obama said when he never said it. Or look what Trump said and he never said it. Of course, Trump probably did say it, but that's for another episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it really brings up the question. I mean, can you believe what you see now? I mean, have we actually reached a point where it is almost impossible to discern what is faked and what isn't. I mean, this has been going on in the UFO community for quite some time, by the way. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of dangerous what people do.
0: And in the context of, of movies and a fictional movie, you know, you're watching a fictional movie, like the movie you were talking about that you have recently discovered. The landing, Um, the landing, which is about, it's a mockumentary and, and mockumentaries have been around for quite some time. Have you ever seen forgotten silver? Uh no. the uh uh the guy who created uh Lord of the Rings. Peter mm-hmm. what was his name?
1: You're gonna ask me this? I know um, I'd never God. watch Lord of the Rings. Uh,
0: Peter Jackson.
1: <laughs> Anyways, is it <laughs> sorry Peter.
0: <laughs> a, there's a documentary. <laughs> there's, At least you're not mentioning Elvis this time. Uh, There's a documentary, um, a mockumentary, actually, that Peter Jackson created probably 10, 15 years ago now called Forgotten Silver, in which you're actually watching what you think is a documentary about lost film footage in New Zealand, like they've uncovered some kind of, uh, you know, treasure uh, film reels that have been, uh, you know, uh, hidden away for 100 years, which... Are the first films that have been lost and forgotten, and it turns out to be a complete fake. Uh, but yeah. as you're watching it, you believe it because it's so realistic, right. and it's you know it's not trying to be funny, so people just you know they buy into it, and so that kind of it's a really good example of what a mockumentary and the documentary format can actually do. To trick you and to fool you into believing something. Think
1: of Spinal Tap.
0: Yeah, um, that's yeah.
1: deliberately funny, but it's like a, you know, following the fake band around, and you know yeah. it's fake. But some you don't remember War of the Worlds on radio. Um, yeah, no, War of the Worlds. You know that was a um, done as if it were as if aliens were uh, attacking the Earth, and people were listening to their radios believing it. And it's hard to believe you would say, oh, boy, people back then. But it still happens. People today hear fake things and they, and they get all wound up over it when it's really, you know, no fact checking.
0: The tendency to be gullible and to believe anything you see is such a pervasive issue and is going to be even more so, I think, as technology becomes uh, so easy to fake things like this. But, uh, so we're kind of yeah. dealing with this um, with the Not From Space movie that I'm directing um, mm-hmm. because it is, it is um, a uh, satirical movie. There's, it's filled with comedy, but there is a, there is a moment uh, where the aliens actually arrive uh, that things get serious. And uh, so we're actually shooting it as if it's serious. And so there's that, um, you know, that tone question. I mean, how serious do you play it as an actor? That's uh,
1: I look forward to seeing. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it too. The radio plays interesting. Interesting, huh? It is. What? It, what is that, what's that? The Ron? Is, is that all you have to yeah. say about? Oh, I, the radio play was blew my mind. I was oh my, oh, you know. I was transferred to another. <laughs> By planet. the way, it's been
0: fifteen years since it was uh, debuted on XM Radio. Fifteen yeah. years this month.
1: Well, how can is there a way people can hear that because it's hard to find? Yes,
0: it's not that hard to find.
1: No, I'm trying to do a plug. I'm doing a plug <laughs> it's, for it it's, here. It's Work on, with it's me. On,
0: it's on iTunes. It's on uh, Amazon. If if you are interested in that at all, on the show today is Bar. <laughs> you're Thank probably you not interested at all me. on the show today is barbara <laughs> multer Wellen, and uh, she's a documentary filmmaker for hbo pbs and all any other uh network in fact the question is which network has she not made a documentary for
1: <laughs> i don't know it sounds like she covered her bases
0: for sure the docu diva is on the way next That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch20. Welcome back to the show. We have Barbara Moulter-Wellen standing by, the uh, documentary filmmaker. She has advice on how you can be a documentary filmmaker. And by the way, she has a, a workshop that you can actually purchase online. So no matter where you are in the world, uh, you can buy this workshop. It's an eight-week workshop. And uh, you the whole purpose of this workshop is to make a three- to five-minute documentary about someone that you know. So she's going to teach Mm -hmm. you how to do that in this workshop. So let's get into it, shall we? Uh, Joining us now is Barbara Moulter-Wellen. She's she's the docu-diva. Thanks for joining us, Barbara.
2: Hi, Forrest and Jeffrey. So nice to be with you.
0: It's great to have you
1: on the show today. Now tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, uh, you know, my, uh, my nickname for myself is <laughs> DocuDiva, which is more than a little tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> I, am, uh, I am a great lover of documentary, and uh, I'm kind of proud to say that nonfiction media is what I've done my entire career. I mean, that's meant a lot of different things over the, over the years, but it's always been non- nonfiction media of one sort or another. I've written, I've produced, I've taught. You know, I've worked in cable. I've worked for networks. I've, you know, done some stuff on the web. But, you know, nonfiction is my is my sweet spot. And uh, I, I feel very fortunate that I've always been able to, to stay there. I was very lucky to get a job at HBO as a baby researcher under Sheila Evans on the very first episode of Real Sex, which was actually just ended uh, a couple of months ago when a and t t bought HBO. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's decades later. So uh, it, uh, it outlasted my tenure there for sure. But, you know, by that time, I was absolutely hooked. I mean, I just I saw how incredibly moving, important, politically um, astute documentaries could be. And, uh, you know, the rest is <laughs> kind of followed
1: suit. And you've got a lot of cool stuff happening in the future. Can you talk about some of that?
2: Yes, I am right now uh, working with my production partner on this doc, a feature documentary called Orchestrating Change. Which is about a, an orchestra uh, called the Me Too. It's M Little E number two slash orchestra. Uh, they've been together before the Me Too, the hashtag Me Too movement. But mm-hmm. this is an orchestra started by a conductor named Ronald Bronstein, who is a Juilliard grad who is uh, was, I think, still the first American to win the Herbert von Karien Worldwide Conducting Prize in the 70s uh, but, and started this glittering international maestro career. Uh, but he was bipolar. And when he admitted to his uh, his agent that he was bipolar, the guy fired him huh. and really blackballed his career. And he never had the career he should have had. I mean, the man is an absolutely brilliant conductor. And went through, truthfully, decades of discrimination because of his diagnosis of mental illness. And after one final, you know, really pretty bad case of discrimination, he and the woman who is now his wife decided that they were going to start their own orchestra for people like Ronald, hence the Me Too, uh, mm-hmm. who have some sort of, who are living with some sort of diagnosis of mental illness, or they just want to support the cause. And their mission is to stamp out the stigmatization of people with mental, living with mental illness. Right. It's not it's not the guy who shoots up the uh, the, the, the shopping mall. That's mm-hmm. extraordinarily rare. Uh, mentally ill people are much more often victims than perpetrators of violent mm-hmm. crime. Yep. But so with every uh, th- their motto is music for mental health. And with every concert, they're really pushing this idea that we're you know, there's probably someone living with a diagnosis in your family down your street. Well, just like you, it's an illness. It's not a crime. And uh, so we followed the musicians and, and Ronald and Caroline, who's the executive director for two years, uh, ending with this fantastic major concert in Burlington, where they were based, Vermont. And uh, now we're, we're in the process of cutting the film. It'll be out next year.
1: Oh, nice. Can you talk a little bit about your process from start to finish on this uh so other filmmakers who are listening now can maybe learn a little bit about how sure. to go about doing a documentary
2: you know there's it's a, it's kind of a funny thing there's no way but there's always a way mm-hmm. You know, that seems to be, you know, the, the truth about uh, any kind of indie filmmaking. You know, if you look at it logically, it makes zero sense. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, I think the most important thing is to create a relationship with your documentary subjects. You know, I teach as well. And, you know, one of the things I always tell my students is you're not a, a, a hiring an actor in a documentary. Mm-hmm. You're in a relationship with someone who has given you the privilege of telling their story. So the, re- the management of that relationship, and it's not always easy, you know, uh, missteps and misunderstandings happen, but, you know, that is really the first and the primary part of, of making a documentary uh, is to get that trust and that, you know, established uh, relationship with your subjects. And then it's to make sure that there really is a story there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's very easy to come up with a topic A topic is not a story. You know, it's the reason why there can be 52 different Dracula films. You know, they all have the same topic of Dracula. Mm -hmm. But is it black Dracula or, you know, girl Dracula or, you know, Japanese Dracula? I mean, there's so many different variations that are actually the story itself. You know, what's your Dracula film or what's your mental health documentary? Uh, So that's the biggest to me. I I think for documentary particularly, people think they can just start – Take out a camera and start shooting wildly, and that's certainly possible with digital technology. But it's not real smart, you know. I think you really need to do the work uh, behind your story and find out what it is you're looking for. Yes, there will be wonderful surprises, and you have to be disciplined enough to go that way when something comes up. But if you don't do, you know, the the preparation work, I guarantee you that you're going to be one of those people who spends, you know, twelve years cutting your your film. Mm-hmm. And, not beca- and not because you're looking for money for finishing funds, but because you still don't, you don't know your story and you can't find your main characters. And, you know, not everybody is a genius like Frederick Weissman who can spend, you know, four months filming and then as much time as he needs to. He's his own editor. He just goes in and it's like writing a novel for him to
1: make his kind of film. When you go on a regular film set, sometimes right. you know, there's a disconnect. I like what you said. That, that kind of separates documentary filmmakers from, in my mind, is you do have to build a relationship with your subject.
2: Absolutely. They're not your employees. They're not your employees. Mm -hmm. They have given you, you know, usually not for money either. They've given you the right to tell their story. And that's a a very precious thing. I mean, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Uh, Somebody else is going to present you to the world. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of trust.
1: Well, what advice would you give to a new filmmaker who's just starting out maybe and, and trying to find their way and are interested in documentaries. What's like a one piece of advice that you've learned over the years that you wish you knew when you started?
2: Hmm. That I wish I knew, you know, one thing I think is to look at a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. and and not look at them and in, in sort of a, you know, sit on the couch and munch popcorn kind of way, really beat them out, you know, because even though they're true stories, they're still stories and they have arcs and they have, Main characters and, and uh, you know protagonists and antagonists. They have secondary characters. They have structure. They're you know some less than others, some more than others. You know there's a documentary like maybe Salesman by the Maisels that you can really put into a typical dramatic three act structure. Mm-hmm. I mean then yeah. So I mean the more you and there are many different ways to to look to what kind of documentary you want to make. Uh, what's it about, you know, what mm-hmm. do you want people to know uh, as they leave? To me, to be sure about, I mean, just to say the worst thing you can do is go, I'm making a film about, you know, and the environmental crisis. Mm-hmm. Too big. Too big. Yeah. You know, maybe you yeah. could write a, 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 a set of encyclopedias about it, you know, but for a documentary, I find it better to be focused on the specific and from there make reference to the general rather right. than the other way. But do you tell it better with a bunch of statistics and, you know, and sit down interviews? Or do you tell it like gas land where, you know, Josh Fox goes, you know, I live on this land in Pennsylvania in a house that my mother and father built. And my neighbors are all being asked to sell off the bottom of their land, the, you know, their, their land rights for, um, for shale and gas extraction. And I want to know what that's going to do. And then he takes this trip across the country finding people who have, you know, fire coming out of their water taps because they were, you know, they did the same thing. Again, he could have said there's all over the country, but people, I think, relate to the story and they relate to other people's stories. So that's my best advice. Look not for the big general thing, even though that might be your instinct or your reason for making the film. Look for the stories that really, really, Touch you, and you think will touch, will exemplify things that in mm-hmm. issues that you're interested in.
0: We're talking with Barbara Moulter Wellen, documentary filmmaker on October 17th. Barbara, you're going to start teaching this online workshop for ESE film workshops. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what students can learn from this.
2: Sure. Well, you know, I really go through, it's not a class. I mean, you, the only prerequisites are for this class is that you have some rudimentary knowledge of, of, of shooting and editing and that you have something to shoot on. It could be an iPhone and some sort of editing software. But I really take you from the very, very beginning of coming up with an idea Talking about some of these concepts, kind of road testing it, doing the research, trying to figure out your story, how and also then style, you know, in terms of how to shoot it. It's it's a very compre- comprehensive look uh, in, a, in an eight week period that includes one week to shoot and one week to edit um, to make sort of a three to five. Uh, minute documentary uh, about, it's a portrait documentary about someone, you know, and it's, you know, I think a really good way to, to start out and, and, and make your first, your first doc mm-hmm. and really go through it the right way. I have all the, the scheduling and, and all of the, my little charts and tricks and things I've learned over the years uh, about ways to help yourself find your story.
1: And, uh, the, the class is obviously done. You got to be in person, right? This is not, no,
2: no, no. It's online. This oh, is it is online.
1: online. Yeah. Okay. It's an
2: online class. You register again at E S E film workshops, online.com. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, you, uh, my each one lecture is, re- is kind of released each week and, uh, you do your work and then you send it in to me and, and, uh, I look at it and then make comments and we, go back and forth individually and there's also a place a chat room for the entire class to to get together and to see each other's work but yeah no this is all it's a virtual class
1: I love it you know if you want to be a filmmaker you don't necessarily have to go out to California anymore no you
2: don't you can
1: you know it's in your backyard it's you know it's whatever story that you want to tell absolutely
2: and the thing is it could be in your family mm-hmm. you know I mean it's the story is the important part and mm-hmm. that this story means something to you and that there's, you know, some sort of movement, you know, documentaries all, we don't always tie up with a bow
0: mm-hmm. very
2: often. They don't, but you have to have some sense that your main character has been on a journey. And so is your audience. All right. And if you manage to catch that, I think you've made a good film.
1: <laughs> One more time before you uh, um, go um, give the website,
2: uh, it's E S E film workshops uh, we're starting up again in, I think it's, it's either October 16th or 17th. Uh, so check it out. Uh, and good luck with your films. We need them. We need people who care about this form.
0: Well, that's our show for today. Tweet us at Borgs Film or email info at borgas.com. We're also on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe and give us a star rating. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is created by Forrest Day Jr., also the host of Rolling Tape on YouTube, and Jeffrey Michael Bayes, who is the author of Between
1: the Scenes, What Every Film Director, Writer, and Editor Should Know About Scene Transitions and Suspense with a Camera, a filmmaker's guide, to Hitchcock Techniques, and the upcoming mockumentary, Not From Space. Well, it's not a mockumentary, but close enough. It's not a mockumentary, the upcoming documentary, Not From Space. (laughs) It's a a funny narrative. I don't know. It's fiction. And the upcoming funny narrative, (laughs) Not From Space.
0: The Get Real Indie Filmcast is a production of Borgus Networks 2018.